I'm bad. Welcome to Fashion by Dad. The land of the surreal where Castella meets curls, folk meets metal, and oxymoron meets juxtaposition. Thanks to Brad for a high-energy cosmic gravy. Gets me right in the mood. Each week a theme, and this week's theme...
Yes, the huge sound of Phil Collins with something in the air tonight. Talk about fashion by Dad. Phil Collins might sound big and shiny in that uh, live clip, but he's shuffling around the stage in black pyjamas. Looks a bit like Deng Xiaoping in an old people's home as he powers through that number. Anyway... Uh, wasn't the only dad reference uh, for Phil Collins, though. Here's a little chat about him and with him from uh, Dutch TV station NTR. Uh, Phil Collins is absolutely amazing. Have you got some free tickets? Yeah, I love Phil Collins. He's not here. He's singing and he's uh, drumming. He's a bit of a legend. Lots of dads like him. Dad rock. And uh, the guitar, I can't remember the band he's in though. He was in Genesis with really, a band called Genesis. He plays the drums. Uh, Canned Win the Wind. No, that was out with John. <laughs> was that Canned Wind on? Yeah. All right, cool. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Come on. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Oh, Lord. Do, 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 We did a long tour in 1977, and that the result of that was my marriage breaking up. And um, I went through all the things of trying to make it work, but uh, by the time I came back from Canada, Mike and Tony were doing their solo albums, and so I had some time on my hands, and I just bought, we'd all bought home studios. So I started to fiddle about. I took over the master bedroom, you know, moved everything out and put my studio in there. And it wasn't soundproofed and it wasn't, elect you know, there was clicks and buzzes. If the fridge went on or the phone rang, you heard it. I can't remember the specific day of In The Air Tonight, but I mean, it literally, I was... I had a, a really nice local pub that I had friends in and I was going through a bit of a hard time and so I'd go down there and have a few drinks and talk and laugh and then come back ready to work you know I had no one to answer to I mean you know I, I had a wife and two children and two dogs and and I didn't have anything suddenly you know so it was like um you know a lot of time on my hands I was miserable, I was sad, you know, I was depressed about not having my family around. I mean, I was constantly on the phone to her and the phone kept going down and, you know, we argued a lot and uh, as, as people do when they go through that kind of thing. The lyrics were all improvised. I don't know what it's about, which, which is, you know, the more people say to me what it's about, I just say, I can promise you it isn't about whatever you think it is, because I don't know what it's about. 
there's a lot of anger in there, I think. Um, but it, I didn't really ever intend it to be that way. It's just spontaneous lyrics, so I guess I wasn't afraid to show my feelings. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. On the original demo, the drums just come in. I, I recorded some drums at my house, and they just come, you know, all been a pack of lies. I can feel it coming. The drums just enter. But of course, you know, drummers always busy themselves. So by the time we got into recording it, I just did a fill into it, you know. Da, 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 da. I mean, like the, the take before would have been something different. And the take after, if I'd have done another take, would have been something different again. It just, it just, we decided to keep that take, and it happened to have that drum fill on it. And, uh, you know, it's just become what I'm known for. But, uh, but it was real luck. Well, there you go. Phil Collins, something in the air tonight. All an accident doesn't mean anything. Something different could have happened. You are on Fashion by Dad. You've stumbled into that surreal corner of the world. And on the altar of audio kitsch, we are sacrificing the four elements. So, last week we made a mash of fire, burned down the house, set fire to a whole lot of things. This week we're blowing air in your ear. So, as well as... Uh, songs about air, like fill with something in the air tonight. We'll have some sound pieces about wind, storms and the like. And I've lined up contributions to our regular segments, Laser of Glory, Time for a Story Time Story, and of course, When I Was a Boy. States on a special poignancy tonight, since I'm close to celebrating my 600th birthday. So I've got a long but somewhat foggy memory. Air. Foggy. Air is some is kind of ubiquitous. Fashion by Dad went vox pop with air. Hi, uh, Mariam Sassoli. What is this uh, word? Hava. Hava. It means air, and that's the same word in in, uh, in Farsi, Urdu, and Hindi. And okay. they're using the same word. How you English people, like English language people, are telling in your poetry and speaking about your beloved one that you can't breathe without the air and these things this is the same thing these people use in their own language as well okay so is it a poetic word or also a day-to-day -day word day-to-day -day word like air mm -hmm. and so it's used a lot in the poet okay so in english we might say you are the air that i breathe yeah yeah the you are the air that I breathe. And so is there a particular song or poem that you can think of? Uh, there is different songs, but not really that to relate it to directly saying about the air or breathing. But there is like a love songs. So mm. There's a number of them, but I'm not good in singing. So don't Bill, ask. can you tell me the name of one? 
I'll try to find one and send to you. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Maryam. No worries.
And you just heard Hava, Hava. Wind, wind, oh wind, spread this perfume everywhere. That's what I say when I put on my darderant in the morning. Uh, that was Gul Pandra and Hassan Jahangir on the Coke Session, season 11 in Mumbai. And as we heard from Mariam Sassoli before that, Hava means air in a whole lot of languages from Iran, Persian, Farsi and Urdu through to Hindi in India. So that was a uh, Hindi song from Gulpanra and Hassan Jahangir. Now, from Hindi love songs to skydiving on acid, yes, on Fashion by Dad, we love odd juxtaposition. And some of them are so extreme, they make theme park rides look like mere strolls. We're more a troll in the park than a stroll in the park. So settle pack, put on your G-Force gear, and let's jump out of an aeroplane. I would have to be blindfolded and kicked out of the fucking plane. Like, if you're accepting that you're going to jump out of the plane, you've given full trust to the person behind you. At this point, you almost have to adopt it as if what you're in now is a game, okay? Like, everything's fake. Like, this is just a playful version of something you're going to get carried along with, and you're, you're not really in there. That way, you're not going to be scared about it. You're just going to be. That's like, a good attitude. I can't It's like skydiving in of itself is already like a like a huge mental feat, you know. That's so, cool. You know, Did you enjoy it? Like, yeah, it was great. It was really good. Everything was so colourful, and it was. <laughs> Clearly. No, but it was honestly more of like a mental feat for me. Did you enjoy me. it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was really fun. So, does it feel like flight? Do you feel like you're flying? Well, it's, it's, more, it's more of a free fall. You, you, there's two parts to it. You've got your free fall, yeah. and you've got your kiting. Yeah, the kiting definitely feels like flying. Yeah, the kiting free is fall. like yeah. You know, you're about the atmosphere. You're just looking over the hills of Mullumbimby and the ocean. You've got everything around. Is it I'm nice? sure this would be the part where the ALSD is really the most comforting. And then you've got that initial part, which is your free fall zone. And it's like, yeah, you're getting amped up. The people are trying to talk. So, are you trying to glide in your free fall zone, or are you just falling carefully? You're just falling. Yeah. It's literally just free falling and then. Yeah, you literally um, just put you to the side of the plane and just, you just jump up. So you're in a sort of sitting position, or you're hanging from your arm? Yeah, so they like open the doors and then you being the one attached to the instructor, you're kind of leaning out of the door and you have your legs leaning out of the door and you're like instructed Was to it try and. Uh, going okay actually when we were down on the ground i was cool because i was like the acid was coming on and whatnot i had taken it a good couple of hours before so i was like well and truly peak by the time we were in the plane so whilst we were down there i was pretty cool and i was trying to like breathe and like you know get myself in a cool calm spot and as we got onto the plane and we were you know like going up the altitude the butterflies the butterflies definitely started to come what about jumping out about jumping out and then it was really all about just like breathe you know keep a steady breath you know play the game it's yeah exactly and that's when it started getting serious and then as it and as they because i was the first to jump yeah Yeah. um <laughs> I never high. <laughs> I didn't know that. But I said, you know what? 
You know, I don't want to that kill wasn't part of the gift. No. I don't want to kill them both at once. Like, they've planned this yeah. differently. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, a month before, there was a death up in Cairns, I remember, about, like, a person that had died skydiving. Maybe even on the Sunshine Coast. I it remember was someone, on the Sunshine Coast. Yeah, someone had plummeted to their death yeah. with uh, two failed parachutes or something like that. But, I don't know. I kind of went into it with full trust because, like, Australia. It's it's skydiving here. Like it's not like they're gonna forget to clip you in or some shit like this. Like they're not dumbass. It's not like they're not the sort of Thai kid that forgets to goggle, take the goggles. And we got a pretty good air, like, aviation record. I mean, yeah. It's yeah. like I didn't go up thinking like there's a chance we could die on this. I thought it was like this is a bit like a roller coaster where you you buckle up and you're like this isn't gonna come off the rails. Oh uh, yeah. Well, maybe uh, this is yeah. my view on it and probably kill me one day. But <laughs> what about what about <laughs> landing? <laughs> Um, no, did it was really have, easy. They, did you have training before about There's the landing and stuff? Really. Yeah, no, you really don't. You kind of just keep your legs up so you don't break them on impact. Skydiving on acid. Half a century ago, air travel was already a thing and psychedelics were big. The film clip for this track coming up, something in the air. Not tonight, something in the air. Uh, so, film clip for that. Not that uh, film clips 55 years ago were common with most songs, uh, but this film clip was set on the corner of Height and Ashbury Streets in California. If you were more than half a century old, you'll know what I mean.
Townsend's other band, Thunderclap Newman. When we say other band, his first band was The Who, Pete Townsend, was main songwriter for The Who, so was the 60s, Psychedelics, the Vietnam War, beginning of consciousness about the environment, about feminism, about same-sex love, big awakening, something was in the air. And I think a lot of it something should be in the water. We thought that LSD psychedelics were the answer to the awakening of the population. Interesting how some of the palliative care research going on into psychedelics indicates that we might have been right. So these days, a lot of you in the first few decades of your life look back and say, hey, Boomer, what kind of world are you handing me? Well, kiddos, goes a long way back. In the 15th century, we set out on little boats from Europe to conquer the world for Christianity. Being able to read and write was magic. Most of us could do it. We were lucky if we had the money to be able to afford a sword and fight. That was the weapon of knights. Most of us were just sent out with sticks to be slaughtered the way the world was when I was a boy. It ain't necessarily so Oh, it ain't necessarily so the things that you're liable to read in the Bible ain't necessarily so. Methuselah lived 900 years. But who calls that living when no girl will give in to a man who is 900 years? Yes, one of the tricks about being ancient, you become kind of asexual, you kind of disappear into a ghostly thing. 500 years ago, in my prime, fit for soldiering, too young to know any better, fighting for king and country. Not that I was in uh, Tecno-Titlin, now known as Mexico City, where Cortez met Montezuma in a major episode, Conquest. Pope had sent everyone out with the doctrine of discovery. We'll hear a bit of that from Ziggy later. Uh, 
Yeah, regular fashion by dad listeners know that I was in Tudor, England, a bit of a backwater of a nation in 1520, recovering from the 100 Years War. Young Henry was on the throne. That's where I did a lot of my soldiering. So I got the inside gossip about uh, Tecno Titlan, the Azaks from uh, Bernal Diaz, a young monk travelling with the conquistadors. Bernal was an ordinary human and he died before his book was published, but he was accompanied by an ancient holy man in Aztec society who adopted a role in the European court as a jester. And Bernal's work has been recently recounted by the historian Matthew Restall in a book called When Cortes Met, when Cortes Met Montezuma. Begins with a quote from Felipe Fernandez Amesto. History is a muse, you glimpse bathing between the leaves. Imagine seeing Technotitlan for the first time. Imagine how they must have felt, those first few hundred Spaniards and their African slaves, the first people from outside the Americas to have seen the great Aztec metropolis. The setting was spectacular, the scene breathtaking. The imperial capital was a massive island city floating on a lake, surrounded by volcanic mountains. It was possibly the most stunningly beautiful combination of the natural and the built environment in human history. Who among us would not want to see such a sight? Those first visitors must have been overwhelmed with disbelief, wonder and fear. We certainly would be. And so the story goes on. We know in most history, have a look on Wikipedia and you'll find out that the Spanish conquistadors were engaged in conquest and conquered Central America. When you read when Cortes met Montezuma, you find out slightly different. It's like one of the many bumbling attempts which ended up with Europe controlling large swathes of the globe, not through any brilliance or <laughs> military capability, but A, we had the audacity, the cheek to go out and think that we had the right to do it. B, we had steel, steel, guns, germs and steel. So a combination of gunpowder, steel and all of the disease we carried caused a whole lot of civilizations to collapse around us. And in fact, the Aztecs and the Incas, two separate civilizations, were not only ravaged by disease, but had internal problems as well, similar to the way the British East India Company got a foothold in India. We'll come back to that later. And I think uh, next week on Fashion by Dad, we'll be up to water. So we're hitting the four elements. Last week, fire. This week, air. Next week, water. We'll come back and talk about uh, Tecnotitlan, Mexico City. You heard in that little passage from when Cortes met Montezuma 
The imperial capital was a massive island city floating on a lake surrounded by volcanic mountains. It was a city floating on a lake. It was a water-based agriculture. Fascinating. And the Spanish filled it in. They filled in the lake so that they could farm. And now Mexico City is sinking as all of that soil settles over the hundreds of years. There's a great photo which I wasn't able to find to uh, post on for this episode of um, the Aztec temple which was at the centre of the uh, city built on one of the rocks in the lake um, piercing the courtyard of a Spanish cathedral that was built over the top so after they'd filled in the lake and buried the Aztec temple they built a cathedral on it and as the Spanish infill sinks into the old lake bed the uh, temple to Montezuma, the Aztec temple, is poking up through the courtyard of the Spanish cathedral. The revenge of Montezuma. You are on fashion by dad. And speaking of conquest... Specifically, I want to talk about the famine, about the fact that there never really was one. There was no famine. The Irish people were only allowed to eat potatoes. All of the other food, meat, fish, vegetables, were shipped out of the country under armed guard to England while the Irish people starved. And then, in the middle of all this, they gave us money not to teach our children Irish. And so we lost our history. And this is what I think is still hurting we. You see, we're like a child that's been battered, has to drive itself out of its head because it's frightened, still feels all the painful feelings. But they lose contact with the memory. And this leads to massive self-destruction, alcoholism, drug addiction, all desperate attempts at running. And in its worst form, becomes actual killing. And if there ever is gonna be healing, there has to be remembering and then grieving so that there then can be forgiving. There has to be knowledge and understanding. An American army regulation says you mustn't kill more than 10% of a nation because to do so causes permanent psychological damage. It's not permanent, but they didn't know that. Anyway, during the supposed famine, we lost a lot more than 10% of our nation to deaths on land or on ships of emigration. But what finally broke us is not starvation. No, it's using the controlling of our education. Schools go on about Black 47, on and on about the terrible famine. But what they don't say is in truth, there really never was one. All the lonely people shall we? The highest statistics of child abuse in the EEC, and we say we're a Christian country, 
But we've lost contact with our history. See, we used to worship God as a mother. We're suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. Look at all our old men in the pubs. Look at all our young people on drugs. We used to worship God as a mother. Now look at what we're doing to each other. We've even made killers of ourselves, the most childlike trusting people in the universe. And this is what's wrong with us. Our history books, the parent figures lie to us. I see the Irish as a race like a child that got itself bashed in the face. And if there ever is gonna be healing, there has to be remembering and then grieving so that there then can be forgiving. There has to be knowledge and understanding. Keep our balance. And how do we keep our balance? And how do we keep our balance? Sinead O'Connor calling for forgiveness, reflecting on the Irish famine, the troubles. Here's my neighbour, Sinead. Not Sinead O'Connor, Sinead Conbury. Different Sinead, same country. She just told me that uh, when I ask her what she thinks of when I say the word air, she said, well, that's the name the Irish people called Ireland. So what are we listening to, Sinead? It's The Fields of Athen Rye by Paddy Riley and the Dubliners. Oh, you couldn't get a more Irish name than Paddy Riley. No, definitely not. And uh, you've sang this song in your life? Um, I've sung bits of this. I'm not a good singer. This used to be the song that my mother would sing when we would be at Cultus Cultoria, which is a, a Celtic meeting of people and talking Irish and singing. And so, yeah, it's a very lovely so you'd song. Sing it's a very sad song, yes. Myself and my sisters would sing along with Mum. But that didn't come until later years. It would always be Mum singing. And so sad, it's about the trouble? It's about... Like the famine and the troubles, yes. And it's about a young man that gets caught stealing corn and gets sent away. 
and it's bad. His lass that thinks of him. And is he sent to Australia? Mm. Many, many were. Yes. So Paddy Riley and the Dubliners with... The Fields of Athen Rye. Okay. And Athen Rye is a place, obviously. Yes, it is. That has fields. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Well, we're going to do a, a song this, this time that was written by our great friend Pete St. John. And... Uh, it was looking like for a while there we were going to have to learn this song in Japanese. So uh, we'll give it a lash anyway in whatever little bit of English we have. All right, Jack. Okay, Shut up, you. My lonely prison wall I heard a young girl calling Michael, they have taken you away For you stole Trevelyan's car So the young might see the morn Now a prison ship lies waiting
Or Triple Z being broadcast from Brisbane, Australia, where it's heading for 3am in the morning. If you are listening in Utrecht in Holland, hello all the little Dutch Epses, it's about 7am in the morning. No, it's not, it's about 7pm in the evening. I've got my clock backwards. If you're on the west coast of the USA, it is in the morning. It's about 10 o'clock. Now, we just heard the fields of Athen Rye from Paddy Riley and the Dubliners, their reunion album recorded in 2003. Uh, as he said in his intro, it was written in 1979 by Pete St. John. So that makes it about 40, 43 years old, nearly half a century. Um became a football song. It's one of the reasons it's so famous. Originally the Galway County Hurling Team, then the uh, Celtic Football Team, took it to the 2002 FIFA World Cup. By a lonely prison wall I heard a young girl calling. Michael, they've taken you away, for you stole Trevelyan's corn so the young might see the morn. Now a prison ship lies waiting in the bay. And, of course, those prison ships carried all of the Irish political prisoners from Ireland to Australia, setting the uh, tone of much of Australian politics and culture. Culture, as we like to say. Uh, now, Athen Rye, interesting, it's a lot of explanations for the name, but I believe the one... Uh, so, uh, the uh, royal, from the Indian word Roy, Raja, Rex in Latin. The Ford of the Kings, because it was the home of the kings of Sogan. So, in a lot of the medieval maps of England, or of the British Isles, as we now call them, the uh, Athenra is called Kingstown, the Athanarioa, the Ford of the Kings. 
So, slip sliding away from the sublime to the ridiculous, here is another quite different take on the topic of air. Hello, everybody. Thanks for coming. <clears throat> I am the Lorax. I speak for the trees. And I'd like to say a few words, if you please, regarding the story that you're about to see. It actually happened. Just take it from me. But there's more to this story than what's on the page. So please pay attention while I set the stage. We open in Sneedville, a city they say that was plastic and fake, and they liked it that way. A town without nature, not one living tree. So what happened to them? Cue the music. Let's see. Sneville's song featuring O'Hare's Air, one of the many responses fashioned by Dad got talking to people about what they thought of with air. Interestingly, I went to grab the um, 
Lorax has tonight's story time story, and oh, here's air doesn't appear. The book by Dr. Seuss, The Lorax, is actually the prequel to the film The Lorax. So young Ted uh, ends in the book by meeting the uh, not loose ender, whatever the ender's name is, Wunsler, the Wunsler, and uh, gets the seed for the tree which, of course, is just about where the film starts. And not all is well beneath the shiny plastic surface of Thneville. Mr. O'Hare? So, I hear you've become interested in trees. What's that all about? Uh, oh, um, where did you hear that? Oh, <laughs> Teddy, there's not much that goes on in Thneedville that I don't know about. Here's the deal. I make a living selling fresh air to people. Trees, oh, they make it for free. So, when I hear people talking about them, I consider it kind of a threat to my business. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> you listen to me, boy. Don't go poking around in things you don't understand, or I'll be your worst nightmare. I'm Frankenstein's head on a spider's body! Yeah, um... <clears throat> okay, my mom's expecting me, so I'm just gonna... <laughs> of course, of course. Now, go back to your family game time. Grandma, just finished a turn. How, how did you know? <laughs> Please. I have eyes everywhere. Four Triple Z thought for the day. Do trees have souls? Bye, Dad. Bye, Dad. Bye, Dad. Bye, Dad. Bye, Dad.